0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we're delving deep into a topic that might surprise many of you, what your real estate agent knows before your therapist does. We often think of our relationships with professionals as compartmentalized. Our realtors handle our homes, and our therapists handle our thoughts and emotions. But the lines often blur more than you'd think. Trust, communication, and transparency are paramount in real estate. In fact, it might come as a shock to realize that your realtor could be privy to some of your most intimate thoughts, life goals, and most private life events. From financial hiccups to job losses, major life transitions, and even sensitive topics like divorce or illness, we are often in the loop way before many others might be. But where do we draw the line? What should be transparent? What should you be transparent about with your realtor? And what should remain private? Moreover, why is this transparency even necessary? Stick around as we uncover these questions and explore the intertwining worlds of residential real estate at the cross-section of your inner and outer worlds. Oh, if I could ask you for a quick favor too. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, or comment. That would be hugely appreciated. It's the last week of August 2023. My name is Ian Busher, and I am a broker with the Fox Marin team. Keeper number handy, this is Corey Marin, in-house hype girl and resident expert listing broker. And a good man to know, of course, Mr. Ralph Fox, our analytical, investor-driven macro picture watcher. We do this every week. So hit that subscribe button, like I asked, and join us for the latest updates every seven days. Let's dive in. Corey? All right. I
1: love this topic. This is where all the juice is at. We are in the tea today. <laughs> 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 all right. So let's get into things. Okay. Do you guys think that it's true that realtors often have
2: to act
1: as part time therapists with their clients?
2: Ralph? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say sometimes it's full-time therapists and sometimes it's even beyond. So it's, uh, I mean, buying real estate, residential real estate is a very emotional process to begin with and really it combines everything from your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your relationships, your physical health, your mental health, your short-term plans, your long-term plans, your fears, your um, your finances, biggest con- <laughs> your finances, mm-hmm. your biggest concerns, like all into one stress ball, and mm-hmm. oftentimes you get to see a lot of different parts of somebody or somebody's in their relationships, and a lot of stuff gets intertwined into all of this, and so that's why you know an algorithm will never be able to replace what we do. Because the human uh, condition, the human aspect of it is so important to the whole process. And when you take somebody through that process, you're not just opening doors and you're not just running numbers. You're helping somebody transition or a family transition up, down, or sideways in their life. And you're taking all of that into consideration as you're walking them through the process. So it very much is a therapist's role. And and sometimes you're almost feeling like you're the full therapist and they're sitting down on your couch and telling you all their life's problems. So um, there's definitely a line that sometimes gets crossed and sometimes we try to pull that back. There's a lot that goes into doing what we do on a day-to-day basis if you do it correctly. And do you feel the same, Ian? I do
0: absolutely there is an intimacy there that i think a lot of people don't necessarily expect especially first timers right where they're like oh i kind of have to maybe share the reason why i'm feeling this way rather than just <laughs> no or yes let's do it right like there's it it does turn into a relationship and i mean i'm taking this a step further but i think that's why sometimes our clients feel like they've been broken up with once they've successfully purchased or sold the property that there is. It's sort of like, you knew everything about me. We worked together for, you know, two to four to six months and we communicated every day. And like Ralph was saying, I shared with you my deepest, darkest feelings and fears and trouble making a decision and how's this going to impact X, Y, and Z. And and now you're just gone. Mm right? Um, But absolutely, yes, we play therapist every single day in all kinds of different ways to all kinds of different personalities, and that is a big part of this uh, occupation, 100%. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because it's not just, it's different types of therapists, right? Like, sometimes Mm -hmm. you're a couples therapist. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what John is trying to say is, Sheila, that John is feeling that he needs a more modern type of home. Now, Mm -hmm. John, if you listen to what Sheila is saying, she really wants something with character. So now that we've heard each other out, so there's that type of aspect, and then there's a child psychologist when little Billy is running around with his iPad and he's banging into walls and stuff, and you're like trying to entertain him and yet make him feel part of the process with the family, and he doesn't want to move because little Billy has only known one house his entire life, and even though this would be a huge move for the family, he doesn't see it like that because that little house where they were living in, that's all he knows. And so, you know, there's just so many different roles of a therapist and different types of therapy. And it's like, oh, today I'm a gestalt therapist and tomorrow I'm, you know, a Freudian therapist. So um, it's it's just amazing how dynamic this role can be when you're dealing with people and, and real estate. And I think I interjected, Corey, so...
1: Oh, I just want to say, well, one thing is, if you ever had a son and did not name him Billy, I would be really disappointed. Because anytime you reference <laughs> a small child that's a boy, you often refer to him as Billy, so... Uh,
2: I thought I that thought was usually
1: Timmy. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, Timmy. Timmy is
0: another Billy one. Billy and yeah. Timmy. Timmy. Yeah. Billy and Timmy. Timothy and William Fox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: It works. Totally works. It works. Totally works. And I think it's like therapist, but I also think it's life coach is another way to explain it as well. And cheerleader is another way to explain it. And motivational speaker Mm -hmm. is another way. And also Mm -hmm. you're reading between the lines often. So you're trying to be a telepathic fortune teller, trying to like read what people are thinking just based on their body language or their eye rolls or their size. Because not everyone's too totally comfortable like Ian referenced with just sharing everything off the top. So you're trying to like get some signals and people are really worried about, you know, offending. Like if you bring them to properties, they don't necessarily feel comfortable telling you that they don't like it for whatever reason. I'm like, I don't care if you like it or not. I want you to tell me. But they are, they're very protective of those things at the very beginning until you establish core and trust. And then the other side of this is when you're in people's homes that they're preparing to sell, you're completely exposed to their life. I'm talking big time exposed how they keep their washrooms, how much clutter they have. What does their bedroom look like? Like you're standing in their bedroom. Like it's kind of
0: weird. Their in-laws don't go and look at their toothbrush and their bedside table, right? And here you are. Somebody maybe meeting them for the first time. Yes. Going and looking at, yeah, in every nook and cranny of their home. Yes.
1: And I think people feel very vulnerable for understandable reasons in that situation. Now, there's some people who really prep for those walkthroughs and clean everything and everything's immaculate and they are ready. And then there's other people who leave their house completely as is and for some (laughs) reason feel okay about you stepping over their laundry and you're like in their kids'. Uh, bedroom and there's like dirty diapers and the little hamper thing and like all that stuff.
0: Billy, wake (laughs) up. Billy, (laughs) Billy. wake up. The realtor's here, little Billy. Yes.
1: So (laughs) I think that's another part of it as well. And you are, and, and this is one thing about the business as well. And we've talked about this on other podcasts. I think it was the health one that we did where as an agent, I did not expect this emotionality as being part of what we do. I was expecting it to be about the houses and to be about the beautiful luxury condos and about making deals and relationships. I didn't really realize that we actually were in fact going to be spending the majority of our time working on this kind of icky stuff, which is all that emotional stuff that comes with moving and financing and divorces and job changes and everything that's associated to it all. So can you boys give any examples of how you're trying to handle situations uh, like this? Being professional but also empathetic at the same time. Do you have any situations that you can share, either one of you?
2: Feel free to interject. Okay. Um, Yeah, like I, I think these things happen. It's, it's not even. Can you think of an example? It's like what happened today. You know, who was crying on the phone today? Who was, uh, you know, uh, saying that they needed a lawyer involved in something and then trying to react to it? I mean, it's, it's literally on a day to day basis that we are interjecting and communicating with people on an emotional level to understand and move through a decision-making process. And what's interesting, I think, in this climate, and we've talked about this before, is that there's just a lot of fear right now about the economy, about the US elections, about inflation, about interest rates, there's a lot of uncertainty. Right now, uh, we have about seven or eight different proposals or situations ongoing where lawyers are involved because parties aren't communicating or talking to one another. Uh, And I've never seen that much all at the same time happening. So I think that's really interesting. And I think that's indicative of the type of climate that we're in where people are feeling under a lot of duress and cracks are starting to sort of emerge in people's psyche as a result. And then we... Being involved in the real estate aspect are, are are seeing that, and I think what happens is is that people tend to have real estate caught up in all of these types of things. If it's uh, divorce, then there's assets. If it's um, a child, it's you know coming on the scene, it's needing a new space. Like there, there's just so many. Um, things when people are in flux, real estate seems to always be tied up into it. And then the emotionality gets tied up into that. And so, you know, I was speaking to a very old and dear friend of mine who's in a lot of stress right now with rising interest rates and they're not working and trying to help them problem solve what makes the best decision for them. Uh, and there's a lot of emotionality tied up in that because there's a lot of uncertainty right now and a lot of fear. And those are those types of conversations we're having repetitively over and over again. And I think going back to what you said, Ian, like the first paramount thing in being a good communicator or working effectively with people is having the ability to listen and deeply listen to what people are saying and try to really get to the understanding of what is it that's at the bottom of it all. Is it fear? Is it, um, abandonment? Is it? Uh, fear of financial loss, like what? what is driving it? And I think once you can sort of get them to the bottom of it, then you can sort of help them see that and then help them figure out what the solution is. And all of a sudden you're doing that and I'm like, wow, I only took psych first year at university, but yet I'm I'm making all of these deductions and trying to understand somebody and trying to hear them and trying to communicate with them and have them then See what the best path is out of a situation that's causing them a lot of duress, tied into their real estate, tied into their emotionality. And that happens on a day to day basis. And it seems to be happening more and more on a day to day basis than less. I totally Mm -hmm. agree.
1: You are probably the best person to call when somebody needs that helping hand and that guidance and that steadfast advice. And you excel in that, Ralph. And it's like you're an in-house therapist in a way to the agents on the team as well and to all of our clients at Foxmare. And I think you're very strong at that. And I know you're very good with me about that as well. And always able to be like really rational and logical, but then be able to connect emotionally into that sensitive part of what's going on and problem solve without telling somebody what to do.
2: Because... You never would. People know the answer intrinsically, what's best for themselves. It's just how do you help them find that within themselves and empower themselves?
1: Well, I'll give an example as well. We had this many years ago, and we've dealt with the situation many times. um, But this particular client stands out to me in my mind. And she was a hoarder and very protective and very young, very, very young and very protective of her stuff. And she had to move due to financial situations. And she also had to deal with her belongings and to part from her home and then to figure out how to pack up all of her stuff, move somewhere new and do this all under financial duress was exceptionally, exceptionally challenging. And I believe she was out of work um, or in between jobs. So this all happened to have had to take place within a certain timeline. And myself, uh, one of our staff who's awesome, Emma, she was really involved in our amazing stager, Kathy, was involved. Uh, So it took the three of us to really handhold through that whole experience to make sure that she felt safe and she felt comfortable and that she could trust us to look after things. But at the same point in time, we had to move things along to be able to get her condo on the market by a specific date. And so we had to do regular in-person check-ins with her to make sure she had, you know, done her required tasks, like packing up some of her things or putting things in boxes. And we did small things like delivering her U-Haul packing kits so that she had the supplies to pack things up or, you know weekly, like I mentioned, the weekly check-ins. And then I know by the time it was time for us to move in the staging furniture, she literally had barely done, you know, 75% of what needed to be done. And Kathy and myself and Emma basically packed up her condo for her because there just wasn't anyone to support her and we were her lifeline. And so that's what we had to do. And so we did that. The property got staged and painted and everything that we do at Fox Marin, we sold it for a healthy price. It wasn't on the market very long. We protected her stress. And then I remember um, Emma and I taking her to the king for dinner to celebrate. And that was a really big win for her. And Emma and I had a lot of martinis that night because not only were we (laughs) celebrating the fact that this young girl had achieved her goal, we were also celebrating the fact that we were able to collaborate together to get her to the other side of, of that finish line. Mm-hmm. Ian, anything you wanna add in terms of personal stories?
0: I was gonna say you use the words um, trust and and care and compassion. And I think that's that's really huge. Um and I think um confidentiality needs to be added to that too. Yes. Right? Like these people don't only I say these people, our friends, our clients, our everyone that we're we're striving to try to help. Trust us with confidentiality as well. I mean, it's not as though we we race home or you know put it on Instagram stories. Oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened. In fact, I'm embarrassed when agents do tell stories about their clients. I'm like, my gosh, this is that's that's an embarrassing thing. Why did you do that? I mean, knowing, (laughs) I think uh, our people trusting us. Part of that is knowing that you know you're going to see some sides of their life that uh, maybe are very flattering, and you're not going to go blabbing it all over the internet or even to the team necessarily, you know, this is the kind of thing where that's, that's helpful. Uh, the the story that comes to mind for me recently is, is I think um, navigating compromise on what every single member of a family was looking for mm. in a property. So going back, Ralph, to you talking about John and Sheila, it was sort of like to John, the biggest possible property he could get for his money was most important. And to Sheila, the commute time to downtown was more important than the size of the property, and then school district factored into it too. So, you know, those three things, and trying to find something for them, but also um, deal with his requests for more and her requests for closer, and and the kids wanting to stay, you know, within a certain boundary um, was was a lot of back and forthing, and uh, and a lot of, of dealing with I'm not getting what I want. All three sides of that not getting what exactly what they want until they did,
1: and you got it done. So,
0: and we got it done.
1: So, Ian, as a realtor slash therapist in that situation, what are some important skills that you feel that you have that helped move that forward?
0: Kind of always, always remaining calm, mm-hmm. and also being uh, going back to an earlier point, just really listening, and. Almost roadmapping it, if you will. Okay. Um, someone said to me ages ago, when you're under personal duress, um, one of the things that happens is, um, speaking of being your own therapist, you've got all of these dogs that are barking okay. in your brain at the same time. You've got 20 alarms going off. And if you, if you try to manage all of that in your head, it can be overwhelming. So sometimes the best thing you can do is to make a list. And to see it out there, if you don't have somebody like Ralph to call who will hear you out and... And say, okay, here's the situation. Here's one possible scenario. Here's another. Here's another. Make a list for yourself. And sometimes when it's written out, you can see that it's not nearly as bad as it was when it was all spinning out of control Mm -hmm. in here. And then you've got something where you can actually take action and say, hey, listen, you know what? This would be a lot better if I got rid of these three easy things right off the bottom of the list right now. Mm -hmm. So when people don't know that, when our clients don't necessarily know that, that's a trick that, and I say trick, but it's a it's a tool that I use sometimes to say, okay, well, let's look at the whole picture. Let's go macro and let's analyze everything and see if there's anything we can fix today that makes tomorrow better.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: It, so, so it might not be the solution to the whole thing, but it might be one step in the right direction.
1: I love Towards that.
0: what your final goal is. And
1: do you call that the roadmap with your clients? Like do you say let's build a roadmap? Because I feel like you could say that and I'd be like, I'd be so into that. If somebody's like, Corey, we're gonna have a call, we're gonna build a roadmap, I'd be like, Yes, we will. What is this roadmap? Hook me up like if you're not using that yeah, as a plan or like
0: a flowchart of events, right? So
1: so I I just wanna understand this a little bit more because I think this is really awesome and super helpful. You're dealing with John and Sheila. They're struggling with these things, large property, Mm -hmm. one-end commute, Mm -hmm. and then kids in school district. You can't get over this hump. You can't get over this hump. So then you go at your desk at home and you write down everything that's going on in this situation. And then you're like, what things can we solve tomorrow to help move this forward? And you present that to them?
0: Yeah, I, I think, especially if you're working with buyers and they're struggling, it's a great thing to bring. And if you've got a handful of showings you're doing, Put it in the middle, take a coffee break, a bathroom and a coffee break, and just sit down at the table because while you're busy opening doors and walking them through and looking at the details and checking out all of the characteristics of the home, you don't get the time to really Strategize. hear them out yeah. or have them hear what you're trying to do for them. So taking that time, just 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just to sit down and say, okay, you know, we've been at this for a few weeks now. How can I make this easier for you? Can we can we change your searches? Can we do this? Can we do that? But also that same thing. What can we do today to make tomorrow easier? That's awesome. And we'll just keep we'll just keep doing that maybe on a weekly basis to see if there's anything we can make an improvement to or scratch off your list or add to your list That's awesome. to benefit you. I love that.
1: And, Ralph, if we were dealing with a challenging seller and they, you know, and this might happen this very fall when the market's changing and it's very hard to predict, and I think some things are going to fly off the shelf and others might sit on the market longer, what skills do you think would be important in that scenario as a realtor slash therapist dealing with sellers' expectations?
2: Always being able to remind them of the why. Why are they doing this? Are they doing this so that they can buy the dream house? Are they doing this because there's a change? Are they doing this because they need financial resources? They need their equity out? And I think people get caught up in the now, but when you keep referring to the why, you then start to be able to think about the bigger picture and why you need to have patience to get to the why well, is this worth struggling for? Is this worth the wait for? Is it okay that it's 30 days for this to sell in a market that's typically seven days so that you can get to your why? When people know what their finish line is, it's a lot easier to go through stressful times. So I think always reminding them of their why and why they're doing what they're doing because it's very easy to forget and it's very easy to get very stressed in the moment or take things out of context. Mm -hmm. So I think that is is really important. And I think in a market like the one that we all believe we're probably heading into in the fall, which is just a balanced market, like it's not the end of the world, but it's something we typically don't see here in Toronto, is just setting expectations out from the outset and being really realistic about what this journey could look like and what kind of bumps that you could see. And so I think if you arm them with proper expectations and are able to remind them of their expectations and of what their why is, that outcome, um, you know, people start to sort of calm down a little bit when they have been reminded of the proper context and the reasons why they're doing what they're doing to get to the other side. I think those are two really powerful tools when you're bringing people or guiding people through a difficult situation.
1: Makes so much sense. So all of this emotional intelligence or EQ, is any of this
2: stuff taught
1: when you do your training to become an agent?
2: Not at all. Not at all. Not at all.
1: No, it's like a learn it on the job. Or you just have, you're just instinctively like that as part of your disposition. You naturally have instincts to read people and uh, connect with people. Like I feel like, That is one of my biggest strengths is that people have always felt naturally like they can trust me from the moment they meet. And that is why when I'm in a grocery store, the next thing I know, I'm hearing (laughs) from the woman at the checkout counter about how her mom is passing away and she has to take this part-time job at the grocery store so that she can pay for her medical care and her funeral. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like why is she telling me this? And I'm like, I don't know if it's just like this. I'm just like, everyone come tell me your problems. But uh, but I think this also helped and serviced me very much in this business because I think people immediately feel like it's totally going to be okay, no matter what it is. And that people are comfortable crying in front of me, sobbing, yelling at their partner, bitching about their partner, telling me the gossip in the building. Like they're just like instantaneously will tell me everything, like almost too much information. That's why I think I carry this little like load on my back. I'm like, this, this work is very stressful. I'm like carrying everyone's baggage around from one property to the next. I'm like, I got gotcha. you. Don't worry. We'll get through this. We'll get through this, everybody. Just give me a little <laughs> few more emotions. I'll carry them for you. you. We'll get you the home you always wanted. So I certainly don't think anyone teaches us <laughs> those things. And I think a lot of it is learned on the job. In you agree with that? Yeah.
0: Corey, I was gonna say I don't doubt for a second that you were born with a bit of a gift for this to start with. (laughs) And then the two of you mentioned that you uh had psych in first year university. But I think since then, even though you only have one one year of it, I think (laughs) you've been basically (laughs) you've basically been interning or apprenticing at it for, you know, years and years and years afterwards. You've been putting that one year into practice and not just practice, but hyper practice. So Yeah, and every year, I think, for every single one of us and lots of good realtors, it gets sharper and sharper. Totally.
2: Yeah, like going back to what you were saying earlier, Corey, or your question, it's a real problem. And it's a real problem because if you don't have that natural innate skill set, then when all of a sudden you get your license and somebody's crying in your car or yelling at you on the phone, you're not really blessed with the skill, the natural skill set to deal with it. And then the, on the flip side is generally, if you are blessed with that skill set, you don't actually know where, the, where to draw the line of professionalism and where to turn it on and where to turn it off. And so I think it's a huge miss with the way they train real estate agents without trying to help them even just understand that this is a watch out and this is something that you're going to need to develop and instinctually learn let alone teach them tools like Ian, the one that Ian referenced earlier, where you have ways that you can, if you aren't experienced or you don't have that skill set, where you can have tools to walk people through these situations. Or if you are like Corey and you're basically an empath, (laughs) how, how you can basically shut it down and be like, listen, I really feel for you guys and I understand and I'm compassionate, but... I am not your therapist at the end of the day. I am your real estate agent. So let's pull this back a little bit and let's have some clarity on what the decision-making process is here as much as I hear you and understand you. And I'm going to go home tonight as well and I'm not going to have to drink a bottle of wine. So it's it's having the tools on either side and it's something that's really, really missing uh, in our industry. And I think it would be a huge Gift um, to the industry and to consumers to have agents uh, much better trained on this. Mm 1
1: million percent. Even Mm -hmm. if it was just one course, and I think if they even just highlighted how valuable listening is, and like as Ian referenced, if you can spend less time talking and more time listening. You will be so much further ahead with your clients than feeling like you just have to constantly be rattling off information and just barking at people. They will they will open up to you and share so much. And if you can be aware of that and get really good at reading people's body languages and the nuance of all of that, you're going to get a lot more information so that you can direct your clients um, in the best way possible, so I think that would be an amazing thing for them to add to the training. And we all know there needs to be a little overall there because we all left our mm-hmm. with our OREA Ontario Real Estate Association uh, diploma. Was it a diploma that we got?
2: Might be a certificate, a certificate. I don't and
0: know. the pin. Don't forget the pin. Oh, yeah. I didn't get the a pin. pin. Yeah, no, oh,
1: I don't think I ever got a
0: pin. You probably did.
1: <laughs> probably was like, I'll never wear this pin. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we were, any of us were uh, gifted with that much knowledge after completing that, those courses anyways, and most of it has been learned through trial and error. And so let's talk about some of the life-changing events that we're privy to, because I don't even think, like, until we start talking about it, we even realize, like, how much we've been exposed to. So I'll kick off this. So I think pregnancy is one. So we're, like, often yes. the first yes. people to know
0: yeah. if somebody's That's expecting. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Same.
1: And sometimes the buyer might not even tell you. I can just tell. Like I'm just like, oh my gosh. I'll say to Ralph, I'm like, I think they're expecting just based on whatever that is, that thing that you feel.
2: So it's always like Corey's like, did you realize she didn't have a glass of wine when we all ordered drinks? I'm like,
0: hmm.
2: And I'm like, no, I didn't. And Corey's like, she's pregnant. And then. The next day, we get the call. It was so great to see you guys, but we got to let you in on something. And I'm like, oh, sorry, got it.
1: (laughs) So I think pregnancy is one that's big. Um, I also think divorce is another one that we see a lot. And oftentimes, it's one party of the two that will reach out to us. And the other party has reached out to another agent or relationship and they're trying to decide on what agent to use and should they co-list or should they not and who should get the listing and then we sort of become part of the battle within itself and we become very exposed in divorces or separations.
2: In this instance, we actually were representing uh, the husband and wife who weren't speaking and we were at a table in their house and uh, the we had Offer Day and the agents, this was a while back where agents would present. And we had several presentations and we had one great opportunity in front of us and they were all about to sign. And then the wife looks at Corey and she's like, I'm not signing anything. He's been cheating on me the whole time. What a SOB nothing's happening and she's like telling all this to Corey and I'm like looking going I'm not hearing any of this I'm gonna let the empath deal with it
1: well it got it really divided because she ended up communicating with me and then he ended up communicating with you and there was a time period where he was sleeping at our office on the couch when they were like in the separation mode like there was a lot went down with that (laughs) and we were like very much part of the logistics so Divorce is one, pregnancy, I think estate sales. So somebody, a family member has passed. And that can also be very challenging because that will get tied up in probate and lawyers. And then the other part that's complicated beyond the fact that the family could be mourning, obviously, is that there's like stuff to deal with in the house. So this person has passed on and they have an entire home of stuff that has to be dealt with and allocated and packed away and decluttered and donated and who gets what. So that's another example of being very exposed to what's happening behind the scenes. And I had mentioned earlier about one of our clients from past years that was a hoarder. I think it's like another example of being very exposed to how people live. And that has happened many times.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many, many many many, <laughs> like many, 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 many,
1: many times where we've been many. <laughs> standing in people's homes, full-on hoarder homes that need to sell their properties and dealing with that. I think that's another good example. What else can we add to this list in terms of
0: examples? Yeah, even if somebody isn't a hoarder, just different levels of how clean someone keeps their home Mm -hmm. or organized or um, how many times someone has said, I'm going to take care of, don't worry, we don't need someone for that. I'm going to take care of that. And you keep asking and it never gets dealt with. So even just those little personality quirks um, are huge.
1: Job loss Hmm. is one. So somebody' Job, loses. Loss. Job loss is another one that we're exposed to, often first before the therapist or perhaps before other family members. Uh, I think financial crisis is one that Ralph referenced earlier, but that's going mm-hmm. to be something that we'll probably see people having a little freak outs about
2: this fall if the interest rates do go up
1: again starting to get nervous.
2: Um, We've also had the opposite where clients have these nice little windfalls Mm -hmm. and they don't want anyone to know about it. Sometimes even their partner uh, and sometimes one partner has more assets than the other and they don't want the other to know. That's a huge one. Now we're privy to this so that's another awkward sort of situation to be in but there's all sides of the financial equation which then spill over into so many other different compartments. The
1: good thing about the financial situation, I feel like there's a bridge with the mortgage broker generally. If you're working with a good mortgage broker, there's like another party involved in massaging through a lot of those finer details and we don't for example yes. have to ask the client to send us like pay stubs or like their T4 from last year. Like we're not exposed to their salary for example or their bonus structure, but I generally will oh, yeah. like I generally will know when they're getting their bonuses though because they'll want a time there are opportunities around their bonus or wait to go offer on something until they get bonus. So sometimes we're privy to it, but I'm glad it's not like the nitty gritty details. Like, I don't know how much money you owe on your visa, for example.
2: No. And sometimes you're on these email chains with the mortgage broker and you're like, guys, you can take me off this. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really don't want to know any of this. Yeah. I've got enough information already. We're good. Yes. Yeah. Please, please take me yeah. off.
0: Or even just in a phone call with a client where you say, I'm going to stop you right there because I actually don't need to have this information. They're trying to give it to you as though you are the mortgage
1: broker. So I think that's really helpful. Oh, and the other thing that we are often privy to is people changing their family structure. So for example, I had mentioned an estate sale, but perhaps the buyers are looking for a new property where one of the in-laws has passed on, but the other is still living and they want that living in-law to come and move into their new home with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And so that isn't incorporated as part of the journey and they want their in-law to feel like they're included, but then there's like the nuances of one, this is like one of their mothers, but it's not the other's mother. And then you're like involved in all of that. So I think in-laws is big. I'm trying to think of there any yeah. other examples where we know things before the therapist.
0: Sometimes when it doesn't come right down to death, sometimes there's a health yes. concern or change. Yes. Right? Yeah. So maybe it's a senior citizen who's come down with dementia and they need to move in with the family or someone has been diagnosed with something terminal and things have got to change. So it might not necessarily be uh, a death in the family yet or an estate sale yet.
1: Okay, so why? is transparency both ways uh, between realtors and their clients. Why is it so important? Why why is it so imperative to have this type of transparency, Ralph?
2: Well, when you're looking at making the biggest financial decision of your life that encompasses all aspects of your life, all parties need to be in sync and communicating so that they get the right outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think when parties hold back, that's where challenges occur. And that's sometimes where regrets happen in terms of something that was purchased or sold that shouldn't have been purchased or sold. So I think the more comfort and the more trust there mm-hmm. is, the greater apt you're able to have that level of transparency. And there's nothing better than when you have that relationship with clients where you can swear in front of each other. You can cry in front of each other. You can honestly answer the question, did you have a bad day? Did you have a good day? And I think those type of things really add up in a relationship and really add up in communication. And they really lead to empathy and they really lead to understanding. And it goes two ways. And I think it's not just about the realtor being able to connect with his clients, it's vice versa. And I think when that exists, that type of synergy is really, really amazing. And when you have that with a client, Um, that's really the ultimate place that you want to be and that's the ultimate place that you're constantly striving for. I love that.
1: Ian, did you want to add anything to that?
0: Only that I think think it can be summarized by what Ralph said earlier too is, I mean, the easiest way for me to help anyone is to understand the real why from the Mm get-go. Right? That's really what it comes down to as far as transparency. If I don't know what I'm doing something for you for, then I'm going to have a harder time achieving it.
1: And I just thought of something too that's so important in this. And I don't know if you'll both agree, and maybe this is the empath in me that's coming out. I think it's really just important as the agent. Yes, you are the coach, you are the consultant, you are the leader in this search or this sale. And there is a level of professionalism that is required. But I also think being vulnerable yourself, and that doesn't have to be like talking about what happened at home that night or that you just fought with your partner or you're pissed off with your mother or anything like that. It's just, if you're able to be honest and not wear that mask and pretend that you are an agent and play the part of an agent and play the part of a professional.
0: Yes. And pretend you're an empath. <laughs> yes. Right.
1: Yeah, like I think if you're just like...
0: Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, like that's... I'm, I'm so Sorry. Anyway, I got (laughs) to go. But like
1: being like genuine, I think just instinctively makes people feel so much comfortable to have that two-way dialogue if you are like truly embodying yourself and you are comfortable in your own skin and you're comfortable in what you're doing and you are not pretending to be an agent or try to be some hot shot and you're like, you know, you're, you're good with who you are. And I think if you're good with who you are, the person just feels good around you. And that makes them feel like they can open up. And I think that's another part of it that would be helpful to talk about Mm -hmm. when you get into this business, whether it's in real estate school or just beyond that. And we've talked about this before. How far does going being yourself goes to attracting clients? And there's like enough business to go around in a city like Toronto that has so many agents that there's... More than enough business to go around. And there's clients for all of us that mirror our energy and our vibe and our personalities. We don't all have to walk around pretending that we're like on a million dollar listing all the time. So I think it's another part. And, of it.
2: and mm-hmm. I think people really want to work with somebody that they consider to be a friend, like somebody that they know and somebody that they like and somebody they feel that they can trust, no like and trust. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because. You know, sometimes it sort of bothers me when we're working with somebody. And yes, it's a working relationship, but you develop transparency and you develop trust and you develop rapport and you share and you talk about your life experiences and they're telling you what they're going through. And then you are in turn relating it to either past experiences where you've been through something similar. And then it's all sort of wrapped up into real estate somehow. And it's always a weird moment for me. And, you know, when you're with your client and their phone rings, I'm like, oh, Sorry, I, I'm just with my realtor. I'll call you back. <laughs> and I'm like, just with your realtor. Is that all? Is that all we are? <laughs> I thought we had something. I thought I, th- I thought there was more than that yes. going on here. Yeah. It was magic. And so, it was and magic. So, you know, as much as we try to be professionals, we are humans. And I think the most effective real estate agents are the ones where that line gets very sort of blurred, and it's more about just. Having synergy and working towards a common goal together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could not agree more.
1: So do you generally feel like when you meet clients for the first time, you can pick up on some of this stuff that's happening, or does it take a while to spend time with them to know that there's sort of more beyond the surface? Like how long does it take to get to the point where you're having these discussions? Is it one or two showings? Is it two months? Is it two weeks? Like tell me a little bit about that, or just does it depend on the client?
0: Ian? I was going to say before you threw that out there that it does depend on the mm-hmm. client. I think some people it's just kismet. Yeah. Right? You you meet them, you know right away, you share a similar humor, they're listening to you, you're listening back, the communication is easy, it just flows. They're open about what it is they'd like to do, you're open about your process and um you know the way to get there. And yeah, it can just happen in a in a 1-hour introductory meeting. And other people sometimes even It's unfortunate, but sometimes, you know, you can, you can do a great job for someone and, and they're very happy. But after two to three months, um, and, and things are wrapping up. Um, you're like, I never really got to, to 10 with them. We, you know, we managed to wrestle our way to 7.5 out of 10, but we never really got to that friendship zone. And I always think that that's unfortunate. I, I, for the most part, like 99% of the people that I work with. But yeah, sometimes people you just don't. There's not a click. Yeah, you don't gel. Yeah. Yeah. You can still do your job very effectively, very professionally, um, and do a great job for them. But uh, but yeah, you're not uh you're not becoming bad. I always feel right it's so
1: weird when we don't gel. Like I always worry when it does not feel yeah. naturally like gelled. I'm like, Ralph, I don't yeah. think I say this all the time. I'm like, I don't think they like us. <laughs> but I think this is like a big part of that too. Depends on where the client came from. So mm-hmm. If the client was referred to us through a friend or a past client, I feel like there's just a natural uh, relationship and feeling of trust from the get-go because they came through a referral source, which generally means their sphere is probably in the same like age category, demographic, income demographic. And there seems to be just like a natural relationship that forms more effortlessly versus somebody that might come to us online that we don't know and have never had a proven track record with. And I feel like we spend more time earning that trust. And I enjoy that part of the process because we are trustworthy and I want them to know that they can trust us. Like, I want to be like, just give us the keys and we'll take care of it. Like, we've got your place. Like, you don't even have to worry. It's us. But they don't know that yet. So we Mm -hmm. have to prove that to them. And so I find that relationship takes a little bit longer to really develop that synergy versus people who come through somebody else where it just feels like a little bit more connected and a bit more effortless from the get-go.
0: Yeah, there's that extra challenge there. Yeah, definitely.
1: Ralph, you look like you want to add something. You're nodding.
2: I always want to add something. I I Yeah, I find that personally, I can get a feeling for somebody really, really quick. I'd say that that would probably be my super skill. But some people just take time and some people you never really connect with. Like you can't really expect to connect with everybody nor necessarily do you even want to. Um, And so everybody's different. But I always find when you like somebody or you're not sure if you like somebody, but they haven't really opened up and then you have a moment and all of a sudden, you know, you're laughing about something or something funny happens and then a conversation comes and you're like, oh, wow, I really do like this person. Like, I am right. Like, this person Mm -hmm. really does have a big heart. They're just a little guarded or maybe they're going through a hard time. Sometimes it's just, it's like that one click and then a relationship can change. And sometimes those turn out to be some of the best relationships. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to be open to the process when you're working with people Mm -hmm. and over time, you know, sometimes really, really nice relationships foster. And some of our clients have turned out to be some really awesome long-term friends of ours. Totally, Uh, Dear friends of ours, like to the point where you couldn't really, you wouldn't want to think about them not being friends or in your life. And that came from a conversation randomly at an open house or on the street or an online type form coming in. So Mm -hmm. um, you never really know, but I think it's really important to just always be open to having conversations with people and trying to see people in their best. And most times people will not disappoint.
1: And my last question about this, because this is all so true and juicy, and it's true, like we, we do hear all of this stuff before the therapist does. Because real estate is so high stakes, obviously, and there's a lot of money involved, and generally this is people's largest financial asset. And then all this emotionality is attached to it from all these different scenarios we discussed. Do you always think that we're working with clients at their highest and best because they are so stressed normally? Like there's not a lot of people that take this casually unless they're like maybe picking up an investment property and they've got quite a bit in their portfolio and they've done this a few times.
0: Not necessarily. I I completely agree with what you're saying. I think uh, when you're dealing with investors and they're looking at the numbers, there's a lot of the stress has been taken off the table. This is a business decision for them. Do the numbers work? Does it make sense? Does it make financial sense? And when you take any one of the examples that all three of us have listed before, um, and the seven Ds or however many Ds there are, there's death, debt, divorce, dogs, diapers, <laughs> all of those things, you put those all of those on the table, there's, there's an emotional side for the buyer or seller. Mm-hmm. So are they at their best? Probably not. Yeah. They're undergoing something that's making them distracted, making them stressed, making them worried, making them anxious. And, and that's why they've reached out to us typically is for a a solution to, to an issue that they're having. Totally. And what, what can I do with real estate in order to solve this for myself? So I would say, yeah, we're, we're not seeing people at their best, um, like a therapist. Mm -hmm. They're, they're coming to you to help work through something.
1: Yes. And I think if you know that it makes it easier to deal with those bumpy situations because They're coming a lot of the time from a fear-based mentality. And if you're like, this is really stressful and challenging. And I remember the first time I bought a place, like I was so anxious. I was shaking. I was like nauseous about it. Like it was Mm -hmm. really, really scary for me. And so if you can just remember the position that the client is in and how what the high stakes are, it does make it easier to like grant them that flexibility to be volatile or up and down or mad and sad and all the other things that we're exposed to as the therapists of real estate. Ralph, do you want to add yeah. to that?
2: Yeah, I think sometimes you do have the opportunity in this business to see people at their best. Sometimes people stepping up, stepping outside their comfort zone, stretching mm-hmm. themselves, trying to grow. Like, And that for me is my sweet spot. Like, I just love that when people are trying to take risks to make a better situation for their family. Uh, when they're they're trying to stretch themselves above and beyond the way they've thought before, because they know if they continue to think the way they're thinking, they're never going to get to where they want to be. And so they're stretching and they're growing and they're moving forward and they're trying to move their family forward. And I think it's an amazing thing when you see people, even though there's sometimes stress and sometimes there isn't, but you see them trying to move forward. And it's a beautiful thing. And so in those instances, it's very inspiring because I feed off of that energy as well. So it's not just the lows, there's also a lot of highs when you're seeing that emotionality. And I think the other thing on the low side, and this is something we talk about as well, is, is that when you have people under a lot of duress and they're in situations that they've never been in and, and adding a lot of zeros to decisions that they've never done before, they tend to focus on very minutiae things and stress out about those things because those things they have context for. So you'll have them freaking out about a small scratch on the floor. Meanwhile, they bought a house, you know, a 2 million dollar house for 150,000 below what it's worth and they got an amazing deal, but they're so focused on that scratch on the floor because it's the only thing that they have mm-hmm. context for and they'll go on and on and on about it and you just have to continually remind them to think of the why and to think of the big picture and to understand the opportunity that they have and not to stress out about these tiny little things that in the grand scheme of things are irrelevant. And that's another thing that we do. And that, that small little thing is just manifest of trying to give context to a situation they have no context to, or to have an emotional expression to something that they're so overwhelmed with, they can't even understand how to react to. And so on the downside, I find that that is something we're continually working with with buyers and sellers as they try and move themselves almost out of their own way through the process. Yeah, it's sad Mm -hmm. when
1: there's so many wins through the journey and then they focus on the one little tiny negative thing that might happen or one hiccup, I think is a better way to frame Mm -hmm. it. And you're like, but we just crush so many of those Roadmaps, you know, all of the levels of the roadmap that Ian just discussed. And then now you're focusing on this tiny thing like the heat pump and the pool or the attachment Mm -hmm. to the vacuum central vac that wasn't included. And this is where I'm like, I'll just buy you one because I just want you to be happy. So here is a new attachment for your central vac so you don't have to be sad about it anymore.
2: (laughs) No, but Corey, I don't want you to buy it for me. I want them to give it to you. I'm still going to buy it for you because I want you to be happy. And it's one of the questions that I'll ask somebody. And it's such a poignant question. Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Mm-hmm. Would you rather be right or would you rather be rich? And some people would rather be right than, than both. Yep. But yep. I think when you walk people through that process, they'll often say, you know what, I'd rather be happy or I'd rather not litigate over a baby gate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And you know what? I forgot about those people that you mentioned, Ralph. You're absolutely right. They are a ray of sunshine, the clients who come to you, not under duress, but wanting to succeed and coming at this with a really positive attitude and saying, listen, we're buying our first whatever. We're buying our first investment. We're buying our first home. We're doing this for the sake of our kids. We're doing this and we're excited and we're going to crush it and we're going to get it done. And that it really is a ray of sunshine when we're doing what we're doing, even though I would say it's, probably a higher percentage of people who are doing something under a bit of stress. Totally.
1: Well, I think this is a great place to end. I think this is a great discussion. Thank you so much. Ian, would you like to take us home today?
0: Well, there you have it. Our exploration today has shed light on a curious truth. Sometimes our realtors might just know more than our therapists. Real estate moves through moments of joy, stress, transformation, and vulnerability. From navigating the terrain of financial turmoil and divorce, to supporting clients through the trials of unexpected life changes, become clear that real estate is far more than just transactions. Thank you to the team for sharing your candid insights. As brokers, we often stumble into these truths organically, emphasizing the weight of trust, understanding, and compassion in the home buying process. To our viewers, thanks for tuning in. As you navigate your own real estate decisions, remember that a realtor does more than just show properties. They often become privy to the personal behind the scenes of your life. So trust, transparency, and confidentiality are keys to a successful collaboration. Corey, back over to you.
1: Well, I just wanted to thank you both for this great discussion today. Viewers, I hope you found value. Contact us anytime. We are super nice. All of our information is down below and feel free to comment or ask questions anytime.
2: And Ralph, do you want to Smash take a that Subscribe button down below. Do I'd it. Love to hear from you. Do it.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Bye.